Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the Dude. Country Wine and Spirits is the number one online source for wine and spirits, offering over 3,000 products. You won't find a better selection of spirits and wines anywhere else. You can order everything from the most popular brands to some brands out there that you may not know of, but you should definitely try. They also have gift boxes for those special occasions that are coming up. To check out Country Wine and Spirits and go find that perfect spirit for yourself, go to cwspirits.com. And when you check out, use coupon code HEYBARTENDER5 and get 5% off your entire order. That's cwspirits.com, coupon code HEYBARTENDER5 for 5% off. My name is Quentin Chandler. I'm the mixologist at the Kelly Hotel in downtown Birmingham. You're listening to the Hey Bartender podcast. You go by Quentin Ch- uh, Chandler Green, or just you, you prefer Quentin Chandler? Or? Uh, Quentin Chandler Green. Yeah, I got married um, next week is my anniversary for the first. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Quentin Chandler Green, thank you so much for joining me on Hey Bartender Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Honestly, I've listened for a while, so it feels really good to be on the show finally. I finally get to hear myself on it. I've always wanted to do it, and I finally did it. Um, I appreciate you getting in touch with me. I try to tell all of you, uh, all my listeners, if you want to be a part of Hey Bartender Podcast, all you have to do is just reach out. Well, actually, uh, I uh, you said you liked the show, and I uh, offered you a chance to be on the show. I'll be honest, but <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, definitely, thank you for that. So, we're, um, where are you from? I am from, I'm, well, I'm originally from an hour south of Atlanta, but um, I started bartending in Atlanta, Georgia uh, for about nine years there. Um, and now I live in Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham, uh, from Georgia to Alabama, that's uh, that's not too big of a move, I guess. No, uh, no, not really. Uh, leaving Atlanta, it was kind of a thing. I didn't know if I wanted to really leave Georgia. I didn't know if I wanted to ever go anywhere else honestly i'd never lived in any other place so coming to birmingham wasn't too far um but it was it was definitely a difference and i've learned a lot being here too i really like it here a lot Mm, uh, so you moved away from the georgia peaches the uh coca-cola plant all All of it all the traffic everything the heat everything you still get the heat in Alabama, I guess. But yeah, the traffic and everything in Atlanta. I lived in um, Midtown, so it was like the gay mecca of Atlanta, mm. or to the gay bar in Atlanta. It was um, four gay bars and one parking lot. Mm. So it was a thousand people a day and 20 dry cleans everywhere. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, I did that for about seven years, and um, I learned a lot. It was it was a lot of fun. Saw a lot of things, saw a lot of crazy stuff, did a lot of crazy stuff, but I really, really enjoyed myself there a lot. It's kind of been the calmer years of my life being in Alabama. Calmer years. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. How long you been a uh, bartender total? Yeah, let's see. 2012. I've been, this year will be 10 years. Um, I started at the end of 2012. I've been in the industry serving since I was 18. Mm. Um, I worked at Cracker Barrel for two years. <laughs> I worked at Logan's Red House slinging peanuts for about five years. <laughs> um, and then I started bartending in Atlanta. Um, I started as a shop boy <laughs> in Atlanta in July of 2012. And then I made it to um, bartender oh. in about November. And then just started from there learning certain things. Um, I would ask one of the bartenders if I could make their first five drinks. And I would kind of just go from there and learn in vodka soda, vodka cranberry, very simple stuff. Sure. And then I worked there for about seven years. Well, oh, uh, so you've got a long history in the service industry, okay? Uh, longer than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm 36. I started at 
18. Yeah, so about 18 years. Yeah, okay, that's cool. It, it's fun. It's fun. I've learned a lot. Um, and I thought about going to other things. During COVID, you know, everybody wanted to try something else or learn sure. something else and do all those things. And I and I did that, looked into certain things. But bartending so much fun, and it's, it's like magic to people. And you don't really have to do much for it. You just ask them, what do you like? Create something right there. It's, it's the best job I've ever had, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, since you're talking about creations and stuff like that, yeah, uh, as you know, as we like to start off with the episode with a drink special. So, uh, what do you have for us today? So, it's a drink that I make at the bar. Um, I've been making this drink for a few years now, and a lot of people like it. If they don't like cucumber, you're going to like it. If you don't like bourbon, you're going to like it. Um, so, it's an ounce and a half of bourbon. I use Four Roses uh, Yellow Label. Um, 1.5 Pims, number one. Um, it's basically like a gin-based English liqueur. Um, 7.5 of lemon juice, 7.5 of simple, and then uh, cucumber slice in there and just muddle it in there and shake it all night and strain it. It's really, really good drink. It's refreshing. A little bit of cucumber, a little bit of bourbon, basically a bourbon sour kind of, but it's really, really good. What do you call it? Uh, English Derby. Okay. Uh, sorry. Yeah, you said that. Uh, yeah, so- you're good. <laughs> Uh, the English Derby. Now, it's uh, uh, does what kind of flavor does does it offset the whiskey, the cucumber offset the whiskey a lot, or yeah, uh, well, Pimps is a very like herby. I would say it's herby, kind of bitter liqueur. So it's um, it definitely goes with the bourbon. It definitely goes with the cucumber. And when you make it into a sour like that, it's just a very refreshing, very good drink. If you try out the English Derby, make sure to let me know. Uh, email me, dude, at Hey Bartender Podcast, or you can let Quentin know, and we'll give you his information at the end of the show. So, anyway, you said you started in the service industry when you were 18 years old. Uh, was uh-huh. that just fresh out of high school? Was it out of necessity? Or Yeah, it was. Um, I'd, well, I was, uh, I guess I was actually 17 when I started because I'd started as a dishwasher at a grill and bar in Oaks uh, Grove, Georgia. And I was a dishwasher there for a little bit and then ended up moving out of my parents' house. And I got a job at a uh, retail place for a little bit, but then started at a steakhouse right after serving. And that was my very first like serving job at 18. Ah, okay. It was, it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. I, I had no clue what I was doing. Um, it was, it was something else <laughs> walking at the tables, just saying whatever I wanted to things that I should not say, things that I should not do. And it was now that I see myself like that years, years back, I'm just like, wow, honestly, I I would have fired myself. (laughs) (laughs) Now the dishwasher thing, I did that for a little while too. I had a steakhouse in Seattle. It was, I Uh needed the job out of necessity because I was trying to go to school at the same time. And they just said, you're a dishwasher. And I thought I can wash dishes, but the psychological bit on doing dishes really hit me because I kept thinking, okay, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. The pile's getting lower and lower. And then the bussers would come in with all these new plates. And there were, every time you got close, it was just bam, more stuff. Yeah. And it, <laughs> it, there were nights where it would just flip me the fuck out. You know, it's just. Uh-huh. And especially at the end of the night where it's like, you know, there's all this stuff going on. And it's, it's actually kind of quiet while they're all eating and things are going. You can kind of keep a rhythm. And then all of a sudden it's closer to the end of the night and you're kind of slowing down a little bit, but you know, you got a big push coming and then they all come in there at one time and it's just dishes everywhere. And you're like, well, shit, yeah. I am stuck here. <laughs> yeah. I had even, uh, the bartender at this steakhouse, all the servers had, uh, bussers that ran their sections, you know, collected the plates and uh-huh. did that stuff. But the bartender at that steakhouse actually expected me to handle his tub. But then I'd get preoccupied with this ginormous pile of dishes and glassware it's, and I constantly the job that I had, we had to do the same thing. I had to check the uh, bus tubs behind the bar. There was two other, uh, the wells and I had to check the bus tub right under them. Yeah. And I hated doing it because there was just so much going on and I was young. I didn't know what I was doing. And yeah. so it was just like, Oh God, excuse me. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would constantly forget about it. Cause I'm, you know, just, right. <laughs> I, I got a rhythm of dishes going and I want to keep the dishwasher running and I, just constantly forget about it. And then there were some bartenders that were, you know, whatever, it's cool. You know, I, we saw you were busy down there, but there were other bartenders that were like, well, I'm sorry, you didn't come up and get my bus tub, so I'm not going to tip you out tonight. 
And right. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And usually I was just like, I don't care, because I was tired and drenched and just wanting to go. Yeah, home. it's like you know what? Keep your seven dollars. <laughs> I don't care. Well, uh, must you must have been had nicer people than me because uh, the bartenders. I this was back in nineteen ninety eight. And okay. uh-huh. 97, 98, and I would get like three, maybe five bucks from uh, the bartenders. Sometimes the servers would tip me out a little bit, but uh, it, yeah, I didn't get much out of it. And, or was as a dishwasher, was I expecting it really? But right, uh-huh. yeah, I don't. I feel like the dishwasher is the one person people usually don't think to tip out for the most part. I mean, some of the places that I worked, I don't think we ever tipped out dish or anything like that. Mm. Probably the local place. Locally, you probably do. Yeah, there are a couple of places where I uh, bartended where all of a sudden I turned around and the dishwasher was gone, and I'm like, uh, okay, I guess, right. <laughs> I, guess I don't have to tip him. Uh, I guess I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so uh, you moved on. You tried retail for a little while, and you know, a funny thing you were saying about uh, you know saying inappropriate things while you were uh, doing bus work or when you're doing serving work. I was listening to a different podcast, uh, the one with Dana Carvey and uh, David Spade. And mm-hmm. they touch on a couple times how when they were servers, they would, you know, they're working on their comedy at the same time. And then all of a sudden they'd say something funny to their, uh, to their customers. And the manager would come up, what the hell are you doing? And David Spade's like, well, <laughs> killing him, uh, killing it right now, I guess. Right. But uh, Exactly. Putting on the show. But, uh, you know, what, what was it you were doing? Um, there was just, I, I didn't know what to say. And I would just talk about random things and I wouldn't walk away from the table. I was young. And so I would just sit there and chat about random things and my favorite singers and what I was doing and life and all these things and how I just moved. Oh, you just got personal. And they had, (laughs) yeah, I would just sit there and talk to everybody. And I would, I would get lost at the bar talking to people. And I would just, I'd never, growing up in such a small place, I guess, I feel like a lot of people from Georgia say that, that it's a small town, but it usually is. Um, so moving out and like trying out for the first time and going to something different and moving away from home, I just, I talked to a lot of people and I talked too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just personal everything and getting to know every name and all that. And I guess that's good, but I didn't pay attention to my job at all. Yeah. So I was great with customers. Yeah, um, it, I got in trouble a handful of times. You, uh, where I would say smart aleck things constantly, uh, and you know some, a lot of a lot of truth being told that uh, to you know all my listeners, most of my customers from back way back when, a lot of the smart ass things I had in the back of my head from movies or TV shows that I watched. Bake Sale Cookie Box is an adorable box of 12 pouches of award-winning chocolate chip cookie liqueur. Each teartop pouch contains one and a half ounces of Bake Sale, a 40% alcohol liqueur that tastes like cookies because it's made from thousands of pounds of real chocolate chip cookies. Bake Sale is so delicious that it won the double gold medal at the year's San Francisco World Spirits Competition, the highest possible medal at the largest competition in the world. Out of 5,000-plus brands entered to win the competition, only a small handful win this award. You can serve it on its own over ice, mix it with coffee, or even mix it with vanilla ice cream. Imagine showing up at a party, movie night, housewarming, or bachelorette bridal party with this boozy box. Get online to cwspirits.com slash heybartender and look for Bake Sale Cookie Box. It's available now, and if you use... Coupon code HeyBartender5 at checkout, you get 5% off your entire order. Go to cwspirits.com slash HeyBartender. Use coupon code HeyBartender5 today. Hey bartender. So you did your time ser- uh, serving tables, and you uh, you were just uh, socialite. You were just, uh, just decided you wanted to talk to everybody and anybody about anything. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. And I had to learn really quick. And I, and I did. Uh, it was just the place that I worked at was just, um, it was local. It was, you could run around, you could do whatever. It wasn't, it was just, it was a very local family kind of place. Mm. And you could just run around and do whatever you wanted. 
Um, and then after I left there, I ended up at uh, Cracker Barrel for two years, and that got me right. <laughs> um, Cracker Barrel was a lot of fun. You had to be very country fresh, um, very pressed and white with the the um, apron and everything. And it was a lot of fun. I would get there sometimes at six thirty in the morning, and you had your rushes from you know church and in the morning people, all the truckers. Really, really early in the morning at like six a.m. Right when we opened, we would have truckers there. Um, but I did, uh, biscuits. I remember doing biscuits once or twice, uh, with the cornbread. Mm. I had made their, uh, pies a few times, kind of did back of the house stuff. I never cooked, um, but I served mostly and it was a lot of fun. Cracker Row was a lot of good people, a lot of local people. Um, and the way that it was run, it, it was a very clean restaurant, honestly. Was that your first corporate job? Uh, Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, did you notice a huge difference between working uh, mom and pop owned to corporate? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cracker Barrel was very structured. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't, they didn't make you say and, you know, my pleasure and do all those types of things. But, um, but it was just, they had everything set up in a line. And while you served, you didn't really have to get scrambled with anything because everything was certainly like it was all placed perfectly in line as to how you go for service. Mm. So it was a good job. Um, the place before it was just a lot of, you know, locals and friends and everybody was ha ha. And it just kind of got lost with that. Um, but Cracker Barrel was very to the point and they trained you very well. Yeah. I've, uh, known some people that have worked there. Uh, actually, I think I had one person on the podcast. Uh, she ran the gift shop and uh-huh. selling giant <laughs> Toblerones and stuff like that. But, uh, uh-huh. Oh Yeah. And they changed it out all the time, but they had the best candles there. I miss the candles. I will say that. <laughs> it was a cool place to work. Cause you, I mean, you got a decent discount. And the food, obviously. The food was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, it was like I said, it was probably the cleanest kitchen that I'd ever worked in, corporate-wise. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, going, going corporate, that was something that always kind of worried me. Uh, all the places that I bar- bartended or worked with, were all privately owned, not necessarily corporate, but not necessarily mom and pop owned. Um, mm-hmm. Like when I worked at a hotel as a, a banquet bartender, it obviously wasn't mom and pop owned, but all, a lot of other right. bars. I remember uh, after when I was in between jobs, some friends of mine, because all the bartenders in the town where I worked at, we were all friends and we all knew each other. We'd send business to each other's ways. We'd warn each other constantly about you know, potential right, uh-huh. customers or, you know, bad customers, but <laughs> I've at had one, a few of those phone calls. Oh yeah. I'm, uh, there's some people that I've had on the show that talk about that. They've got a text chain going and I'm like, that is cool. <laughs> uh-huh. I used to work on a rooftop bar and we would, um, watch a few of the bars around us and we would watch like droves of people coming to the hotel where I worked and we would see like people would text and then we would see people leaving and coming all up and down the road. Mm. A friend of mine, she, she came over to me and she's like, come work for us at this corporate restaurant. I won't say their name because I don't want to get sued. But uh, <laughs> come come work with us at this corporate restaurant. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Well, okay, I need a job because, you know, I right. can't go too long without a job. And the first thing I see when I walk in to go talk to their manager is everybody gathering together to sing happy birthday to a table. And oh no, that's like the last thing you want to see when you're walking yeah. in. And as soon as they were done, uh, the girl came over to me. Oh, cool. You made it. And I said, yeah, I'm leaving. <laughs> I don't want to wander around. It's been real. Thank you. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do either. But uh, that was just one of the things of the restaurant. And, you know, during the interview, I was there for about 45 minutes. I saw them do that like four times. And the job is getting uh, less and less interesting <laughs> just because of that. Yeah, really. Pull me to pull me to like the back. Give me the office <laughs> so I don't see these things. You know what I mean? It's like you're already slightly prepared in the back of your head that you, well, you know you don't want to do it, but you're slightly prepared that you may have to do it one day. <laughs> so to see it four times in an interview, you're gonna lose half the people. I feel like. Yeah, but um, I ghosted the bartender at that place for about a half hour and. I talked to him about that, and I said, what's with all the happy birthday singing? And he's like, man, I try to get out of it every time. I'm like, oh, I would, but I've got all these drinks that I've got to pour right now, and they're like, oh, uh-huh. get your ass over here. <laughs> uh, every time, you know what, I would I would keep, like, the last four tickets 
And anytime a birthday came up, I would throw those tickets back up on the bar and be like, I'm so sorry. I'm so busy. Yeah. I, I, I just can't do it right now. <laughs> yeah. And I was also fascinated uh, how much he used his blender during that half hour that I was ghosting him. And because, uh, like I said, I worked at a lot of, a lot of mom and pop uh, bars. And uh, yeah, there were a lot of times. Most people hide those. Yeah. There's a lot of times where the blender was broken. <laughs> but, yeah, right. <laughs> This is McDonald's. You cannot have one. <laughs> <laughs> but I so, have one, um, and I actually we put it under the um, under the bar uh, mm-hmm. when I first started there. I was like, you know what? I've done these before, and they're simple, but not whenever I have fifty people here. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, when you're three, uh, like three, uh, three wide, five deep, you don't want to run that damn blender. <laughs> uh, uh, no, and we already have enough crack. Uh, craft cocktails on the menu, so I am I'm probably not going to be able to get into all that. <laughs> so, uh, when did you start bartending? Um, so it was at the end of 2012 uh, at the gay bar, and it was just I knew a few people, and so one of the bartenders I would just make the first few drinks for him, and just started learning certain things, and then um, started coming in a good bit. I was a regular there, and so they asked me to bartend, and I started training. And I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was, it was, there was something about it. It was just community. There was a lot of regulars there. I was yelled at by the regulars. I was accepted by the regulars. I was short pouring the regulars. You know what I mean? There were so many things. This asshole in the corner gets his for seven and I just charged him nine because I gave him the real price. <laughs> but, um, but they, I mean, they, they broke me down and then they brought me up. So it was, it was a really cool cool thing i didn't ever want to be a bartender which was shocking um there was uh somebody and a guy i used to date um told me to move to atlanta and be a bartender i was like no i don't want to do it and i ended up moving to atlanta and um ended up bartending but it was really cool met a lot of cool people had a lot of fun doing it and um i learned a lot (laughs) and it was it was made a lot of friends well working in the hospitality industry if you find your niche or your type of crowd, you uh, you'll have the best time of your life. I mean, because uh, yeah, everybody has something in common, and like right, you won't like me personally. You wouldn't catch me at a sports bar because I don't know shit about sports. You know, you know somebody right. somebody asked me, "Hey, how was that football game?" Like, there was a football game last night. Because I'm sorry, I was busy watching Star Wars. You know, <laughs> yep. <laughs> there were so many times they would call me and be like, "Make sure that you have this game on today." And I was like, "Well, you need. I need a list of these games because I don't know what we're doing." Like, oh, they play they play football on Fridays. I didn't know. You know what I mean? Or Mondays, whatever day it is. See, I still don't even know. I watch college football. And that's it. <laughs> I mean, if if there was a pop culture or uh, ro- rock and roll bar, I'd be right at home in a uh, place like that. But right, yeah. When there, you got. 37 TVs all over the place, uh, all playing different games, watching, this one's watching UFC, this one's watching the football game, this one's watching ESPN highlights. No, uh, I can't. I can't do I it. can't do it. <laughs> I fully get that. But, you know, if you want to sit and talk about the who all day long, yeah, I'm your guy. <laughs> right, right, and I could definitely do that. <laughs> but... um Yes. So you found your niche. You found good people, good uh, that you could actually be around uh, and yeah. have a good time. And yeah, after after barging in there for a minute, it was I met so many people that I was able to start jumping into hosting the the you know not hosting but mainly bartending for the karaoke shows and the drag shows and getting out more into each bar and getting to know all the the entertainers and everything and all the bartenders around me bar owners and just, it was, it was really cool. So I got to do a lot of stuff doing that, um, for a few years, which Mm. was nice. Now, when you started out bartending, were you a bar back and the bartender just let you help out? Yeah. Uh huh. For the most part, I never really had a shift that was, um, as a bartender until I was going on full bartender trainer or training. Um, they had just thrown me back there a few times and I made a few drinks and then I would stop, but it was just my friend, uh, Derek, he was a bartender. He was about to leave the bar. He was about, he'd been there for 10 years, I think, and he was getting a different job. So um, I was going to take over for him. And so he would let me just make a few drinks and then I would just go back to the other side and kind of see it. And then they offered me the job. Oh, very cool. 
Uh-huh. Now, at the bar that you were working at, though, you said uh, you uh, did a lot of craft cocktails and stuff like that. So it wasn't like your uh, uh, well, the bars that I worked at fairly generic, so rum and cokes, vodka crayons, Coors Light. Oh no, that's what I did there. Oh. Um, the whole time I worked there, um, the whole time I worked there, we never really had. I never made old fashions. I oh, never man. made anything like that. Um, it was all vodka soda, vodka cranberry, rum and cokes, mind erasers, and you know Long Islands and stuff like that. Yeah. I remember um, this one guy after about like a month or two of working there, uh, this guy asked me for an old fashioned, and I remember we didn't even have bitters, so I know that I did it wrong. Um, but I remember that I gave him tequila, and I remember the guy that uh, trained me. His name was Rick, and he told me that if I ever make a drink and I'm not really certain of it. Just do my best, go to the back and look it up or something like that. And that's what I did. I thought I did at least. Um, <laughs> but I ended up using uh, tequila, no bitters. I don't know what I put in the string, but I put it down in front of him like I knew what I did. And it was, it was. I, I always want to know if that guy could come sit at my bar and I could make him a good old-fashioned now because I've worked so many different jobs doing full craft cocktail service mm. that an old-fashioned I can kill you know, seven different ways. And now I really wish I could find that guy and just give him one really good old fashioned and apologize for what I did. Did he complain about the tequila old fashioned? Um, he did. Well, the thing is, is he didn't reorder, but he didn't complain. Oh, um, I remember cool. what he looked like. I remember exactly where he sat down and everything. But, um, but I think he probably just threw it back really quick and just said, may I have a beer? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I've made mistakes like that uh, as a bartender because uh, the Collins drinks, uh, they don't use that term that much anymore. That's a very old-fashioned bar, uh, bartending, you know, like the Tom Collins or, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, somebody somebody actually asked me one day for a Tom Collins, and I got it mixed up. I put whiskey uh, in Collins mix, Collins mix. and that customer got a little pissy. But quickly, my my coworker, my best friend, she went over there and said he's been a bartender for a year, and that's a very old term. So, right, uh, you know, just if what you want is whatever Collins is supposed to be, uh, Tom Collins is supposed to be, I forget again. But if you want that, just say that. <laughs> right. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, there's so many times where it was like uh, Cuba Libre, yeah, stuff like that, and I would be like, "What do you want?" And then it's like, "Oh, if the line gives it." A yeah. different name. <laughs> That's you all know, there is. There were was just like, I don't know what these people want. It was like, what can I get for you? Can be a million different things, and I am supposed to know. And sometimes I don't know what Applebee's you went to in South Georgia, but we don't know that drink. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I tell. <laughs> it's like I tell everybody. There's a thousand different drinks named a thousand different things made a thousand different ways. I mean, just hey. you got your shot glass, you got butter shots, Bailey's. Now it's uh, in my in my experience, you've got the slippery. That's called the slippery nipper. Slippery nipple, the cowboy cocksucker, or the copper camel, and uh-huh. it just yeah. all depends on who orders it. <laughs> uh-huh. And then there's so many different other shots where it's like, is it that or is it this way? Because they're so similar to, it. isn't it like the, the fuzzy navel or something like that? Um, that's, I mean, similar to it, I guess. But there's so many different like drinks or shots that that I honestly like. I can probably see them with all different names, but I think they're the same shot every time somebody orders them. And I'm like, Oh wait, no, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it can be confusing. Yeah. And like you said, uh, I can't, you know, you go to uh red Robin or something like that and they've got their specialty menu drink. And then somebody right. comes in and says, I want that specialty menu drink. And so I've never worked at red Robin in my life. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Did you bring the menu uh-huh. with you? Or, <laughs> right. Uh huh. Or, um, I don't know what, drink you made up at your friend's house. You know what I mean? And they'll try to tell you, but most of the time they don't know what's in it. So you don't need to drink it anyway. Let me make you something. I'd much rather you tell me what you like. Do you like sweet, sour, fruity, herbal? Are you more of like a bourbon forward? Do you like it smoked? Do you like this? You know what I mean? Mm. There's so many different things that I can make you. And I have all kinds of stuff. I like to use vinegars and I've probably got about 20 or 30 different um, uh, bitters at my bar so it's like and not a lot of them are on the menu i just have things for people if they want to try different things i'd rather create a drink with you you know what i mean than for yeah. you to just tell me some random drink that you had a party 
Yeah, they're uh, the uh, customer that had their friend made uh, made their drink or something like that. Uh, always brings me back to this really, uh, this really young. Well, she was just turning twenty one, and the, it was the day of her twenty one run. And she comes up and mm-hmm. asks asks me for a strawberry daiquiri. Now that I'm already pissed off because of that, but oh, I figured, <laughs> yeah, I figured it's her twenty first birthday. I might as well make it for her. So I make her a strawberry daiquiri. And I hand exactly it to her. what I was about to say because it's her twenty first. I'll do it. Yeah. And I handed it to her, and she comes back about 10 minutes later. She's drank about a quarter of it. And she goes, excuse me, is there any alcohol in this? And I'm like, just a shot of rum, that's all it gets. And she goes, oh, I can taste the alcohol when I make it at home. Well, when you make it at home, you use half a bottle. I don't, (laughs) we don't do that. Uh, Welcome to an actual bar. You probably use four ounces in that drink. Yeah. You know, welcome to an actual bar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really. This is what you paid for. I'm sorry. This is not my bar to give away. <laughs> right. And I ended up saying, since it's your birthday, I'm going to buy you a drink. So uh, it's a drink that I stole from another bartender. It had vodka, Southern Comfort, Yukon Jack, Amaretto, Cranberry, and Pineapple Juice. Uh, it goes huh. down like a Hawaiian punch. I'm, it's uh, Sounds good. really sweet. And you know, uh, she took it and she goes, okay, thanks. She made it about halfway down and then her boyfriend was dragging her out. And oh no, and oh no, <laughs> part of me likes to think you know, he was probably thinking he was gonna get laid that night, but I just ruined it, right? Uh huh, like, damn you, <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, she uh, she she kept coming back, but she didn't, she didn't ever order that same drink that I made for her, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you get those people that you know, that I this bartender makes it this way, this bartender makes it, you know, when a bartender, you know, when I went to this bar, you or even the other shift bartender that, you know, that works on your days off. Well, they make it for me a uh-huh. certain way. And right. Uh-huh. How, how do you deal with that? Um, I just tell them we'll pray about it. Um, <laughs> I say that to a lot of people. I'm like, well, um, so what were the flavors in it? If you can at least explain a few different things to me, maybe. And usually, I mean, if they're off and I'm working, I can usually just text them and find out. Um, but I just tell them we'll pray about it. Tell me what you like. If if you don't remember what was in the drink, let me make you something else so we can maybe make it just as good. Yeah. So usually I was good for that angle because honestly, I don't know what they did. <laughs> so I saw on your Instagram that you are mixologist. You you get uh, you yeah. have the title mixologist. Now, um, yeah. So do you design your own drinks? Um, yes. Well. See, the thing is, some people are like, ooh, mixologists don't say that. I just, I say it because I, sometimes it's that just what people call me. So I've kind of just stuck with it. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I, after leaving um, Atlanta and moving to Birmingham um, was whenever I finally really got into using, I'd used egg for the first time. I used bitters for the first time. Um, and I'd bartended for many years. I did um, a few bar competitions in Atlanta. Um, doing my own craft cocktails there, but I don't, it was just like, you know, vodka and lemonade and, you know, just throwing cranberry on top and a bunch of toppings and stuff like that. It was pretty drinks, but it was very basic drinks. Mm. And then Birmingham was whenever I ran into people that were using a bunch of egg egg whites and different uh, bitters and different styles of uh, making your drinks and techniques and stuff like that. I just, that I didn't know of and syrups and shrubs and there were so many things um so i really started to do that here in birmingham mm. i worked at a um the roof at the redmont hotel downtown and it was a rooftop bar on the 14th floor and it was beautiful mm. it was like you didn't always want to go to work but when that's your office it was the best sure um but they had a lot of craft cocktails there and that was when i really started to like get into it about 2018 mm. um yeah, it, uh, back when I bartended, people, uh, own restaurant owners were becoming more conscious about pour costs, and we started mm-hmm. getting those damn bubble pours on top of all of our bottles that never poured a perfect uh-huh. shot. In you know, right? I, I'm sitting there getting ready to pour a shot and click, and I haven't even started pouring yet. You know, and <laughs> but it it didn't really uh, because they were so concerned about breakage and pour costs and stuff like that. You couldn't really experiment. And uh, one of the bartenders that trained me, uh, she was like, you got a few minutes, experiment, play with this stuff. And, mm-hmm. but, oh, yeah. but the owners at that, at the places that I worked at, they were like, 
how come you went through three bottles of rum the other night and we've only got enough money here to get for <laughs> two and a half and you're, you're over pouring, you know, you know, putting the right now when you, uh, when you design, uh, when you started designing your drinks, did you do it at work or did you, you know, think about it at home or actually make them at home? Um, so it was, it was, um, they are a rice or the red line. It was a, um, what was it? Trio collection from Hilton. So it was a locally owned hotel that was a Hilton, but it was locally owned through, um, uh, a couple, I guess I should mm-hmm. say, I don't know if I should say names or anything like that. Um, but they, uh, they own the hotel. And so they would let me kind of just, it was easier to ask a customer what they liked and try to do it that way. Cause then I could experiment while making a cocktail that was going to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I could ask them sweet, sour, fruity or herbal or something like that, that's when I could kind of play around with it. And I would always tell people, you know, if you don't like it, it only took me 30 seconds. Let me make you something else and I'll deal with it later. You know what I mean? I'll just try to try to figure out, talk to the manager, see what I can do about that with the poor cost. Um, but usually I would just order like a bottle of New Amsterdam or something. It's a pretty cheap vodka. Um, and so it was, it was easy for me to use that bottle and they wouldn't, they wouldn't mind. So mm-hmm. I would just get a bottle of that and we would use that bottle to come up with a new menu. I would just get a, a cheap bottle of each and then we would try it with, you know, Tito's or something like that just to see the outcome of it. Cause our well was Tito's. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would just go buy a bottle of random something and then create with those. You ever have a reaction when somebody asks for a Tito's and vodka? Oh, I just want to charge them a hundred dollars. <laughs> like, you know what? If, you know what? If you're going to be like that, cause the thing is, is my dumb ass has probably said something like that before, <laughs> but whenever you're the bartender and they're staring at you and you're like, okay. And so I asked them, do you want it on rocks or do you want it on a big rock? And then they get so confused when I say that. Um, and it, it makes me giggle. And I usually, usually they have a friend that starts laughing and tell them, you know, you just ordered a Cheetos and vodka, but, um, usually I'll just, I'll giggle and say, did you mean to say soda? And they typically mean to say soda. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that joke's been coming up a lot lately. It makes me laugh every time, but uh, I think that's what the meme that I've been seeing recently is whenever I saw, um, it just makes me want to charge them a hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> now, when it comes to like the, uh, the entertainment side, you, you've brought, uh, brought up that you've worked in uh, gay bars, you've uh, drag shows and karaoke and stuff like that. Now, does that, I, the lot of the bars that I worked at were fairly low key, but the, I just picture the stuff that uh, that you mentioned, like uh, the drag shows and all that stuff, be, almost being mm-hmm. like borderline carnival every night. Every day. <laughs> every day was an event. Sunday was your biggest day. And um, so, I mean, it was four gay bars, one parking lot in midtown Atlanta. Um, and so it was, it was basically two drag shows a week. Uh, karaoke, trivia, a dance night, um, always some kind of random event on Thursday. It would be like a Latin night or um, sometimes a bondage night or, you know, all kinds of crazy things. Um, a local talent show, we'd have guitarists play, you know what I mean? Singers play. It was, it was just every single night. And then um, Friday and Saturday night, of course, were huge. And then Sunday, when you're really tired, um, Sunday was the biggest day and it was Sunday, Sunday. And, um, it was, it was a lot, there were a lot of people. And sometimes the person that left the last person that left on Saturday night was sometimes the first person that would walk in on Sunday. And it was just like, you have a choice to be here. Why are you here? <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was being at the gay bar was a lot of, a lot of energy, a whole lot of energy. You had to be on constantly. Um, right when I would walk through that door, it was just go, go, go. And it was, you know, it, I would take a few shots of, I would do, um, Jaeger bombs mm. and, uh, the owner didn't care as long as we pay for our shots. He would always say, have a shot or two. Cause the more they drink, they might start, uh, becoming more annoying. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so he would tell us sometimes he, when I first started working there, he was like, do you drink? And I was like, well, you know, I just didn't know if I could, I'd work there for like a month. And he was like, Oh no, honey. Have, have yourself a, a shot. You're, you're more than okay. Um, so yeah, being behind the bar 
and everybody's there. It was, yeah, you were constantly going. It was constantly smile, laugh, dance, you know, shots and, and shimmies and all kinds <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> so is it legal to, for the bartender to do shots, uh, in Georgia like that behind the bar? Oh God. Well, <laughs> uh, we hope that. so now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, some bars across the United States, they do allow it uh, within reason, as long as you're not visibly drunk behind the bar. Oh, yeah. No, it, yeah, you couldn't go that far at all. Well, um, with you yeah, dancing and entertaining <laughs> the whole night, you're probably sweating the alcohol out. It's just as fast as you're getting it in your system, so. Right, uh-huh. and all you do is you're constantly doing this the whole time, left, right, left, right. <laughs> going back and forth to customers. So I was definitely working it off. <laughs> so karaoke night though, uh, uh, you, you mentioned when you contacted me that you thought my, the karaoke stories were funny, but um, now in the situations I've always talked about how certain songs were always most popular for people to do. Like you get this couple, they always have to sing uh, paradise by the dashboard light by meatloaf or, uh, uh-huh. this guy that comes in looking like Randy Travis, but sounds like <laughs> Randy Travis got run over by a truck, but you know, oh God. he has to sing Randy Travis music or that one drunk woman that decides that, uh, love is a battlefield is her song. And she has to oh, belt that it is out her song. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and it is her song too. I had, um, so walking in Memphis oh. is one of the songs that people did. A good bit, and one of the guys that I worked with there did it. That was like his known song, and it just you know after all the years of hearing that song, it always drove me nuts. Um, but I loved I loved that he did it though because he was known for it. People loved him for it. Mm. Um, and then I think you said in your podcast one time that there was when a couple would be fighting, and I've noticed that I've seen this a few times too. When a couple would be fighting, and then she would get up there and start screaming a song at him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And every, I heard you say that one time and I died laughing because then I started going through all the people in my head and I was like, man, that I've seen quite a few times. <laughs> and that is hilarious because the shit's true and it's fun to watch. Yeah. So they're going, oh no, please don't fight. Please don't fight. But oh yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I've seen uh, women get up on stage. They're mad at their boyfriend, husband, whatever. And all of a sudden they des- decide to sing goodbye Earl by the Dixie Chicks. And oh, <laughs> I look at their, I look at their husband and I said, dude, you probably should fear for your life tonight. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. <laughs> at least yeah, you're, it's not going to be a happy ride home. <laughs> but uh, yeah, people, the, the people that do dedications and uh, they used to crack me up because uh, like they, I, they, I want to dedicate this song to my girlfriend. And uh, I listened to the lyrics and I thought, dude, you totally missed the m- meaning of this song because they, you know, it's completely wrong. It's not a love song at right. all. I can't, right. think of, I can't think of an example right now, but, or. And they're just like, oh God, abort, abort. <laughs> or, uh, uh, or one, that one guy that comes in, uh, well, what's that? Uh, the guy that he actually did a good version of it, but don't take the girl by uh, Tim McGraw. That song makes McGraw, me. Uh-huh. It, that song's so depressing. I want to kill myself after listening to it every right. time. Right, uh-huh. and and in a bar, I gotta keep this place going right now. <laughs> it's like I understand you're in your feels right now. Let's have a shot and talk about it. You don't need to sing about this right now. <laughs> yeah, it's just like okay, now the bar's at an all time low. Everybody's as depressed as I am. Will somebody please go sing an Adam Sandler song or something? <laughs> oh, right, exactly, and that's yeah. Um, They'll go from like one big, like big bop and then don't take the girl. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like going from, um, what is his name? Uh, the don't believe me, Jeff Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. Yeah. Going from Bruno Mars to Tim McGraw is probably <laughs> not the best way to go. Yeah. Uh, uh, my DJ used to complain about that. She, she's like, I try to make it so that songs segue into each other, but these people make it so tough. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. The lady that used to do ours did the same thing. She was like, I just, I don't have a choice tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she, uh, her, she let her boyfriend run the, uh, the DJ booth just for dance night. And uh-huh. he thought it would be fun to play Metallica. And all of a sudden, these people were walking up saying, hey, can we play some line dancing music? And she's like, sure. 
how the hell do I segue from Metallica to wine dancing music? And oh God, that that scared her a little bit. But yeah, it's like you can't. You well, you do you well, you don't, but you do. You have to, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, the watching people do karaoke was actually. I even though I participated in it, you probably heard uh, that uh, I it became how I got known by my customers. You know, the singing bartender. Mm-hmm, yeah. I'd, I'd run up, sing a song uh-huh. real quick, then right back behind the bar. But, right. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, every once in a while, it just, uh, the you hear those people. Yeah, I mean, how often did it happen for you that the person either couldn't sing the song or the song wasn't a good match for them, and you're trying to signal the DJ, turn it down, would you? Um, there was a few times. Uh certain ones, but she was really good because there was so many locals that she kind of knew how to do it. And so she would automatically just turn it down. Like we would just give eyes. Um, we called each other shoop, um, S H O O P. I don't know why, but that's just what we called each other. Um, and so all I would say was shoop and she would know immediately that it was a, it was a yay or nay. And she could tell just from my eyes. Mm. <laughs> Since we were talking about doing shots, let's talk about a liqueur that is awesome to do as a shot. I'm talking about soda jerk root beer and orange cream liqueur. Both of them have that classic taste that you remember as a kid. The root beer flavor has a nice creamy finish and the orange flavor takes you right back to having an orange dreamsicle when you were a kid. You can find both of those bottles, soda jerk root beer and soda jerk orange cream on cwspirits.com. Just remember to use promo code HeyBartender5 at checkout and you get 5% off your entire order. That's Soda Jerk Root Beer Shot and Soda Jerk Orange Cream Shot available on CWSpirits.com. Use coupon code HeyBartender5 for 5% off. Hey bartender. Moving on into other things, though, the Drag Nights, though, it, was that just dancing or was there like performances going on or? Oh, full on performances. So you would get there and you would make sure the bar was stocked to get everything going. And then, um, being the bartender, I mean, I was, I was the head bartender on those nights. So it was a lot of the times it was, you know, just checking in the back, making sure that all the girls are good and they're not hot because they're, they're, you know, layering pads and bras and all kinds of stuff and wigs and everything. It's just, everything on and um so making sure they're not hot and they have drinks and they're okay they all have their music turned in but um it was sometimes hectic but yeah once the show got started performances people were happy money was flying shots were going um the the queens they would they would sit there and talk on the microphone talk to the crowd get them going it was a lot of fun it was it was a lot of hype and it was (laughs) a lot of people um, yeah, I, I've never experienced anything like that, but I've had, uh, friends that have gone to those clubs and that, Oh my God, it's so, you know, so much energy and they're so, uh, so entertaining, uh-huh. uh, lots of lip syncing to various songs and stuff. Oh yeah. But, uh, some of them perform original songs. Some of them do other types of performances, but yeah, it's technically, yeah. Most of them are always, uh, lip syncing to a song. Yeah. I, uh, I did, I never worked in such a uh, high uh, high energy environment, so th- this is this is kind of new for me because uh, because I've had busy nights at the bar, sure, uh-huh. but not uh, and I've uh, bartended during like live shows once or twice, but nothing like that. Uh, that's yeah. like a different world right there. It was um, yeah, and with four bars and one parking lot, it was it was always a lot of people. And so if one bar closed, they would all come flying in. And a lot of the times um, where I worked, it was people would fly in at, you know, 130, 145. And it was a drove of 20 people flying in. And your whole bar would fill up, turn the music all the way up, lights going, and just run and party. <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. It was crazy. Now, um, this this is kind of the serious part of the subject though. Did you ever run into any problems during those, uh, during those events? Uh, uh, yeah, there was, um, I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of things. I've seen a lot of people, um, really, really drunk, passed out 
Um, I'd seen people fall down the ravine that we had behind the bar. Oh, wow. <laughs> there was a ravine down there and people slip and literally fall down this thing. And it was a long way down. It's probably um, tough to get back people... up in heels. <laughs> uh-huh, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and being one of the bartenders that had to go down there and help them out, it was kind of crazy. <laughs> I always had people break their leg there. Um, I mean, I've seen people just get so hammered that they're just passed out in the bathroom <laughs> and you can't get in there. Uh, yeah, you see a lot of crazy things happening there, definitely. But in uh, situations like that, did most of the people play it cool? I mean, did you ever have any problems with people that were a little uh, uh, biased or racist or sexist or any of that stuff? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and a lot of the times there, I mean, I, I feel like people knew not to throw around those types of things. It's a feel-good type of place. Don't bring the bullshit in. Um, you know what I mean? There's a lot of times where don't talk about politics. Don't pol- talk about politics. Don't talk about religion. Um, and so a lot of, I've ran into it a few times, racism, stuff like that. Um, and people would come to us and say, Hey, this person's got to go or this is happening or something like that. And you just diffuse it and get rid of it. Now you know that, what I mean? Make sure everything's all right. Now that's what I was going to get at. It was, how did you diffuse situations like that? A lot of the times I would know the people and sometimes you don't want to hear about the people that you may know from the bar Mm. that maybe not your friends, but people that you know and serve and have always thought, you know, we're typically nice people. Um, So usually you just look at them eye to eye and you say, Hey, Hey, don't do this to me. Look, they know, you know, the regulars, they know you work there. Hey, don't do this to me. You know what I mean? It's a good night. Let's let's just get along. Everything's going to be fine. We'll go this way. You're going to go this way. Or if they want to get too far, they can leave. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll talk about it later, but we're not doing this right now. Yeah. Well, um, doesn't sound like anything, uh, really, uh, horrible happened, but it, it, it was nothing but good times. It sound, uh, you only, at least you only remember the good times. So that's, that's good. Yeah. Uh, right. That's, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were, there were some fights and stuff that I've had to break up some crazy fights, jumping over the bar. That goes with being um, a bar. Scraped up a few times. Right. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that, but no, nothing ever. I never had like a gun pulled on me or anything like mm-hmm. that. So, uh, what are you doing nowadays? Um, so now, uh, after starting, so I'd done a few competitions for Stoli when I lived in Atlanta. Um, they would do, it was 17 cities, uh, per year. And, um, each, uh, city they would fly out to, it was called the Key West, uh, Stoli, uh, cocktail challenge. No, the, Cocktail Classic, sorry. And so I started doing a few of those. And when I moved to Birmingham, the cocktail scene was so craft and, you know, doing everything you could as a show. Um, I started uh, bartending at the roof. I started managing the roof. And after managing there for about two years, uh, COVID hit. And um, during COVID, it was it was a lot of alone time. Didn't ever think that I wouldn't have a job bartending. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was like, you're the show. People want you there. You know, everybody wants to have a cocktail. Um, so during COVID, I stopped drinking for about six months, seven months, and dove into every book that I could find. Um, I've I've now collected probably about 40 or 50 different types of books. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband bought me the aviary book, and I'd been wanting it for about a year and a half from Alinea. And um, when I got it, opened it up and literally just, I died. I cried when I opened it cause I was so excited about it, but, um, just really got into it with, uh, the burner. That's what I have right here. Um, the siphon burner. Oh, I use this, uh, for syrup, stuff like that. But, um, I just got into the craft, everything of it, learning how to make everything and why you do this and why you do that. Um, and so now I basically just, I am, stuck on crafting cocktails. I want to try everything from Pari and um, Tim's and different Amaro's and stuff like that. Making shrubs is kind of what I'm into right now. Um, but I like to do a lot of the competitions around here. Um, it's a lot of fun. There's a Magic City cocktail competition uh, in Birmingham. It's 12 bartenders in the city. And we all take a spirit and we create a cocktail. And you end up, it's at the UNA or the DNA warehouse in Birmingham. Um, but it's about 300 people that come to the American cancer society. Um, but they get tickets and you get to walk around and sample all the drinks and vote. Um, so it's a cocktail competition that they have here July 27th. So I'm preparing for that right now. 
um, that I manage at the Kelly Hotel downtown. It's a Hilton Hotel. Well, it sounds like uh, you got a lot of stuff on your plate. I've never done uh, bartending competitions. I never considered myself good enough to do competitions. But uh, do, do you just do the mixology part of it, or do you uh, actually do bartender flair also? Um, well, I'm not good at bartender flair. <laughs> uh, I, I've tried. I do have the bottles, like the the plastic bottles or whatever. It hurts. There's bruises <laughs> everywhere. My fingers, it constantly knocks my knuckles and my fingers, and it just pisses me off. Um, I, I would much rather do the mixology side of it, flaming stuff, lighting things on fire, using the siphon, um, molecular mix, uh, mixology, stuff like that. Um, just getting into what what it's made of, how it's made, why it's made, why you add it, why you do those things is is a lot of it. That's what I love the most about it, just the mixology side of it. I can flip bottles, but I don't think I need to in front of anyone. But the competitions that I've done are basically you just you create a cocktail and um, you sometimes you walk out in front of like four judges. And so you have to create that cocktail and make it four separate times in front of them in front of a crowd of people. And you talk to them. You have like a seven minute set to where you have to talk to them, tell them about the drink and, you know, just give them a little bit of a show. And then they judge you from there. Now, you, it's that almost sounds like intermediate to advanced level chemistry to me. The what you're doing with alcohol, uh, alcohol and, and science spirits. was my worst subject. Science <laughs> in high school, was, I like it was horrible. Um, I hated it. I was so good at everything else, and science was like the worst thing. But um, since since getting into it from uh, the aviary book, now it's like I just I get it more, and I can't cook to save my life. Mm. I cannot cook to save my life. Oh my god! But you get me in a bar with all these different flavors and I can just, I love to do it. Now it's not going to be everybody's, you know, type of drink, but I can make something pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, uh, all that matters really. Well, anyway, uh, we're coming up on last call uh, for the show. Uh, Quentin, thank you so much for reaching out and being on Hey Bartender podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, if, no, thank you very much. This is awesome. If people want to get a hold of you, uh, how would they find you on social media or whatever? Uh, it's uh, at Quentin.Chandler, Q-U-I-N-T-O-N dot C-H-A-N-D-L-E-R, Quentin.Chandler on Instagram um, and on TikTok as well. Very cool. So, um, And I thank you once again for being on Hey Bartender Podcast, and congratulations to you and your husband for your anniversary. Yeah, uh-huh, one year. Congratulations, and uh, thank you for being on. I hope to talk to you again really soon. Cool, thank you very much. It was fun. And that's it, people. It is last call, last call for alcohol. Come on up to the bar, get your final treat before you head home. Big thanks to Quentin Chandler Green for being on the show. Hey, people, if you want to be a part of Hey Bartender Podcast, all you have to do is what he did. Drop me a message. You can either email me, dude, at heybartenderpodcast.com, or you can drop me a message on any of my social medias on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. It's all at Hey Bartender Podcast. Always a big thanks to Laura Hope and the Arctones for their song, Dr. Bartender, that I use constantly on this podcast. Remember to go check out their stuff. They're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you stream your music. If you want some Hey Bartender Podcast swag, I got some available. Go to www.heybartenderpodcast.com. And I got some t-shirts and a couple other things there you might like. You also can keep up with recent episodes of Hey Bartender Podcast there too. And finally, don't forget to go to Country Wine and Spirits. That's cwspirits.com. Check out their huge selection of spirits that they have there. A lot of stuff that you can't get anywhere else. Go check out their selection. Pick up something today. And just remember to use coupon code HEYBARTENDER5 at checkout and get 5% off your entire order. Remember to rate, subscribe, share this with your friends, tell your friends about it. Uh, I'd love the support for Hey Bartender Podcast. I want to keep doing this, so if you're interested at all, send me a message. If you know a person that would be really cool for me to talk to on this show, have them send me a message. Anybody that works in the hospitality industry, I'll talk to bartenders, I'll talk to servers, sometimes DJs. I've always wanted to get a flight attendant on this show. So if any of you people know a flight attendant that would be really cool to have on this show, please let them know. I would love to be able to talk to one. 
But until next time, ladies and gentlemen, we got Hey Bartender Podcast, new episodes every Saturday around 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And, you know, uh, come back, have a listen. Uh, let's have some fun. Until then, I wish you all lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness. And remember, don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. What do you mean it's let's go? I just got here!